Hello, hi, and welcome to the first Chartable podcast. My name is Dave Zorab. My name is Harish Agarwal. Uh, we're the co-founders of Chartable.com. Everything about your podcast in one place. All in one place. It's a great website. Uh, and this is our first podcast. We're going to be covering a few things today, all podcast related. First up is chart fraud on the Apple podcast charts. New features for podcasters on Chartable. And last but not least, we're hiring. We're going to talk a little bit more about that at the end. All right, let's get going. So first up, chart fraud. Before we dig really deep into chart fraud, Dave, can you explain what the Apple Podcast charts are? Right. So Apple Podcasts, the app that uh, most people use to listen to podcasts. Right. About sixty to seventy percent of people—that's their primary uh, primary app for listening to shows. And uh, Apple, for over a decade, has maintained charts of the most popular podcasts and episodes of podcasts that they display in the app and in iTunes on the desktop. So they display it on the app and in iTunes. If I'm one of these 60% of people, you know, for me, I usually just go right to some of the podcasts that I have uh, subscribed to and, and start listening to them. When, when would I encounter uh, one of these charts in my usage of the podcast app? I think that's a fair question. I think that just looking at how they work, uh, the point is to help people discover new shows to listen to. Uh, and so you'll see on the charts, not just the shows that are, everybody knows that are popular, like serial or whatever, but you'll also see new shows that get launched. Like the one that's been at the top of the charts, uh, for the last week or two is a show from Rachel Maddow and MSNBC called bad man, uh, about some kind of like Watergate esque capers in the seventies. Uh, and, uh, that's what the podcast show charts are about. There's this other chart, which is the podcast episode charts, which is um, about which episodes of different shows are popular. And that chart's basically dominated by Serial and Joe Rogan Experience and a few other shows. So the, the usual suspects. So what you're saying is the episode charts tend to be the shows that are doing well already uh, that you may have heard of. And the show charts are a little bit more for discovering up and coming podcasts Right. That's right. So it seems like the show charts are based on recent subscriptions. Uh, so a new show that has like a high velocity, like there's a lot of people subscribing to it uh, in a short period of time, that's what pushes it up the charts. And that also as a consequence makes it more easily gamed and then getting people to actually listen to your show. Right. So we, we wrote a uh, blog a few weeks ago about the charts being gamed. When did you first start noticing that there is something fishy going on with the charts and, and which charts uh, were being gamed? So we started Chartable in June and pretty much right away you could see some weird stuff happening. Like you would notice some like very strange shows showing up at the top 100 podcasts with like no reviews or no ratings, all this kind of all the kind of usual markers of actual popularity. But it was sometime in early October when things went from like, oh, there's like one or two weird shows on there to being like, wow, the top 20 is like primarily these like strange unknown shows. You're saying that on the show charts, something funny was going on. At the same time, were the episode charts also funny? Uh, no, the episode charts were mostly the same. Okay. And then, so you noticed in October that there were a lot of funny podcasts. How, how were you able to find out if the charts were being gamed or if these podcasts were actually, you know, just that popular? Right. So there could be two things happening. One, maybe there's a bunch of new, really popular shows that nobody, you know, just because I haven't heard of it doesn't mean that 
it can't be popular, right? Uh, but there's also a chance that maybe some of these shows were on there for less than valid reasons. Uh, so I started digging around, and there's a bunch of different ways that I was trying to see whether or not their popularity was legit or not. And the first way was just kind of poking around and seeing uh, iTunes lets you, or Apple lets you leave a five-star rating for a show if you like it. Most popular shows have like tens of thousands of ratings if they've been around for a while. Um, you can also leave a review, a written review uh, that goes along with your five-star rating. Lots of shows have thousands of these. Um, and a lot of these new shows that showed up didn't have a lot of ratings and reviews. So maybe that meant they were new, right? So maybe it's just that they were a new show and hadn't been around that long, so they hadn't collected a lot of ratings and reviews. So I started digging a little bit further uh, and seeing, trying to find data from outside of Apple. Um, so I started looking at CastBox, which is a popular player on Android. And if you look up a show on CastBox, they tell you how many players, uh, how many plays it's gotten and how many subscribers it has. And a lot of these shows had like close to zero subscribers or plays, which is a little bit fishy, right? So if it's super popular on Apple, but totally unpopular on Android, that seems like a little bit weird. Just to make sure I understand what you're saying is the, the first piece of evidence, the first strike uh, against these uh, podcasts are that they were popular on the charts, but they didn't seem to have a lot of reviews and ratings, which, uh, you know, that, that does sound fishy. But to your point, it could just be that they're new. But then you start looking at other platforms. And even though these podcasts were popular on the Apple charts and other platforms, they didn't seem to be popular at all. Right. They're not popular at all. And to confirm that, I looked at some newer shows. Like at the time in early October, the New York Times had just launched a new show called The Argument, which was also on the charts uh, without a lot of ratings or reviews, but it still had thousands of subscribers on these other players, right? Because it was genuinely popular. Like New York Times launches a new podcast. It's kind of a big deal for people who read The New York Times. To, so. play, to play devil's advocate, though, or you know, just to give a counter argument, it could still be that the audience for these shows is heavily skewed towards Apple Podcasts. It may just be that there isn't much of an audience on these other platforms. So how, how can you be really sure that there's something fishy going on with these podcasts? Yeah, I think that's fair, a fair question. That's why I kept digging uh, to try to find you know any signals I could to as to whether or not this was like legitimate uh, charts or not, right? So um, started poking around Apple a little bit more. And if you look at a podcast in the Apple Podcast app, there's a little section down at the bottom, whether you're on your phone or on your desktop, that says uh, listeners who subscribe to this show also subscribe to, and it lists like 15 other shows. And um, if you look at something like Serial, you'll see links to shows like S-Town and other This American Life type podcasts. If you look at something like Joe Rogan, you'll see shows uh, you know, with a similar kind of format, like longer conversational shows, the male host, that sort of thing. Uh, these sh new shows that showed up at the beginning of October, they all kind of linked to each other, which is kind of a weird thing. So, so on, the, on the recommendations list, they link to each other. Right. And the recommendations are determined by listeners who subscribe to one show on the podcast app also subscribed to this other show. Right. And so I thought that was a little bit fishy to see that all the shows kind of linked to each other. And so I uh, set out to kind of map it out, map out which shows were linked to other shows. Maybe it wasn't that unusual. Um, so I ended up uh, grabbing data for uh, the top 200 shows, looking at all the shows that were recommended based on subscriptions for those shows. And I did this visualization where you could actually very clearly see when you map it out that there's this whole segment of shows, these new shows that appeared at the beginning of October, 
which were all linked to each other, but had absolutely zero links to any other popular shows. So they're all heavily connected to each other and completely isolated from the rest of the, like for sure, legitimate ecosystem. Like, yes, cereal is actually popular. We can all agree on that. You look at the stats from anywhere else, like it's, it's confirmed. That to me was the, the thing that really kind of confirmed the hypothesis that this is that something really weird was going on. For those of you who are listening and interested in this, you should definitely go to the blog and uh, check it out. The visualization that Dave is talking about, super wild. Uh, it's basically a network graph between all of these different shows. And you see exactly what Dave is saying. You see that there are a highly interconnected group of shows that are popular and that you have heard of. So Serial, Joe Rogan Experience. And then you see this isolated corner of the graph of a network of podcasts that are not at all connected to the rest. Very, very, very fishy. And the ones that are heavily connected to each other, but isolated from the rest, they're, they're like totally different subject matter. There's like shows about real estate and shows about parenting and shows about, uh, from this one network called Warrior Empire, which are these like very manly uh, things like the sedated executive, whatever that means. And, uh, you know, again, all connected to each other, completely isolated from the rest. And so that to me, um, if we can read Apple's recommendations, you know, based on subscriptions, like, and, and take it for what it says it is, uh, then that to me pretty much confirms that there is something really strange going on. Because you, you would expect that if it's listeners who are subscribing to two different shows, there may not be that many people who are interested in both fishing and real estate. And, and, uh, it would be unlikely that there'd be a link between shows uh, that have that content. Right. And so there was one show in particular that I dug into, which is called Bulletproof Real Estate, uh, which was the only super sketchy show at the time to have reached number one. And, uh, if you look at its, uh, similar recommended shows, it was all kinds of, all kinds of different random shows from these, uh, these pockets of sketchiness. Uh, but if you look at other real estate shows, um, there are plenty of them. There's a show called Bigger Pockets, which is super popular. You look at the recommended shows for Bigger Pockets, it's a bunch of other real estate and finance shows, right? It's like all these like subject matter shows tend to have recommendations for other shows with the same subject matter. If you look at a dentistry podcast, it tends to have recommendations for other dentistry podcasts. It's a pretty specific thing. Uh, so that, again, just another, another strike against uh, these random shows that showed up on the charts. At the time that Dave was digging into this and, and wrote a blog about it, there were a number of other people who were also noticing this fishy activity. And one uh, person in particular, they did a pretty deep sort of investigative uh, look into how the charts might be gamed. Dave, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So there's this guy, John Parati. He's from uh, WBUR in Boston or affiliated with them. Uh, they do the Last Scene podcast, which is about an art heist at uh, Art Museum in Boston. Uh, and some random person that approached him on LinkedIn, sent him a message saying, hey, I can get your show in the top 100 on Apple for $5. Uh, and he said, sure. And he gave them a show, some random show from, you know, that hadn't had an episode in a couple of years. And sure enough, like within a day or two, uh, it had reached the top 20 on Apple Podcasts, uh, which is pretty crazy. Um, it, and so it seems like the method is they have uh, a bunch of people and a bunch of devices uh, off somewhere. You know, this person was in Bangladesh. At least they said they were. We don't really know. And uh, they subscribe to your show a bunch of times, and that gets you up the charts. And it seems like uh, it's pretty effective. Folks are still getting these requests. Are the charts still broken? You, you had mentioned that this particular activity occurred in October. Is it still happening? 
So uh, after our blog post went up, and I'm not going to take credit for anything happening on Apple's part. Apple's like a notoriously secretive uh, company. Uh, but there were a lot of changes. Um, Bulletproof Real Estate, that the one show that hit number one, disappeared completely off the charts. It's still in uh, the Apple Store or the Apple Podcast app. You can still find it, uh, but it's not charting anywhere. And so the charts got reshuffled uh, you know, pretty quickly after our blog got published. And um, since then, you know, I would say that the manipulation, if, you, if that's what you want to call it, uh, went down for a while, but now you still see weird shows cropping up every once in a while. Uh, and so I don't think the problem has been solved. And I think part of the reason that it hasn't been solved is that there's kind of a fundamental tension in the way the chart is designed and, and what the chart is for. If the chart is designed to help you discover new shows, then uh, it kind of has to be open to shows that get, don't have a lot of listeners, but have a lot of like, uh, interest in a short time frame, And that is inherently gameable, uh, if you will, because otherwise, if it was just the most popular shows, it would just be Serial, Joe Rogan, The Daily, This American Life, and the chart would never so change. So to back up a little bit, it sounds like Apple did issue some fixes. Yes. Do you have any instinct as to what they might have done to attempt to fix the problem? If I had to guess, it would be about waiting new subscriptions a little bit less, right? Uh, so if there's like a small number of new subscriptions in a short time window, uh, it doesn't quite get you up the charts quite as far as it did previously. Uh, but, you know, it's hard to say. I don't know what the actual algorithm is. And since since they've made those fixes, you, you mentioned that there are some unintended consequences to trying to fix the charts in this way, namely that there's a tension between discoverability and uh, legitimacy. Does it feel like the charts are being dominated by the usual suspects now that these fixes are in? Yeah, I think uh, one consequence of trying to eliminate this kind of manipulation is that you do get a chart that's a little bit more boring and predictable. You see that Rachel Maddow show from MSNBC. It's a great show, I'm sure, uh, but it's been on the top of the charts for a while. You see networks that already have large audiences. They're able to marshal a lot of people to subscribe to a show uh, when a new show launches really quickly. They drop episodes into the feeds of their existing shows. And so, you know, if Gimlet or WNYC or Wondery or any of these like, you know, large podcast networks has something new, easy for them to get on the charts. But if there is like a new show from a totally unknown creator that happens to get a little bit of momentum, they're not going to end up uh, reaching the heights of the charts that they used to, if, if my thesis is correct. So, you know, there is a tension there. I think it's better to not have these totally wacko, crazy shows with no listeners on the charts. When you open up the app, you know, maybe, you know, Three, they say that three quarters of people in the U.S. don't listen to podcasts. If your first experience is to open up the charts and the number one show is from a kind of scammy real estate guy, that's not like an amazing experience. Maybe it turns you off to podcasts. Like we, you know, we as an industry probably wouldn't want that. Uh, but at the same time, podcasts have been this open and uh, decentralized medium, like a democratic medium, ultimately in the sense that there's very few gatekeepers. So you know, making it harder for new shows to get on the charts and get a little bit more visibility. I think that's a bummer too. Right. Well, so, so moving forward, what, what would a well-behaved chart look like if there was sort of an ideal chart or set of charts that could address these problems and plug the holes that are in the existing ecosystem? What, what would you want that set of charts to look like? It's different to ask, like, what are the top podcasts? And when people say top, like, what does that mean? If it means the most listeners, 
then yeah, it's interesting to know that NPR has, you know, the most listeners on these shows or the New York times, uh, or this American life, WBZ, any of those kind of known players. Uh, but if you're looking, if you wanted a chart that was about discoverability, maybe that could be a separate view onto the podcast ecosystem. It doesn't need to be the same chart as the one that's showing you the top podcast. And there could be an easier way to show, yeah, these shows have momentum. Um, there's definitely ways to detect this kind of manipulation. Uh, one of the things I've been thinking about is trying to assign to each podcast uh, kind of like sketchiness score or something or a quality score uh, where you could see like if they're associated with these groups, these pockets of, uh, of shows which are almost certainly manipulating uh, the charts, then that to me diminishes their kind of uh, their validity as like a mover and shaker, if you will, or you know, a new show that's worth listening to. Um, so I think having different charts for different purposes would help. And then I think applying some, some of the same techniques that you know, Google and others use for anti-spam uh, stuff to the podcast charts would be better for everyone. That makes a lot of sense. It makes sense uh, to me to segment charts by by function. It seems like there is this role that charts play, which is almost sort of a prestige factor of, you know, my show is the top show, and I want folks to know that. Sort of goes hand in hands with uh, hand in hand with awards and other mechanisms for rewarding that kind of performance. But at the same time, it feels like what the industry is kind of bemoaning and what people definitely were talking about when the fallout from the iTunes charts being gamed was happening was, uh, you know, that discoverability is broken, that Apple isn't doing what it needs to be doing to kind of prop up the system. Although, you know, it, it does seem sort of odd that the fixes that Apple uh, put in place to to fix those discoverability problems is ultimately going to hurt smaller shows, almost certainly. Uh, right. So, I mean, for me, it almost feels like the way to fix the gaming is to think about what the incentives are for people to game the charts. And it seems like there there is a real incentive right now because you can pay someone $5 and get to the top of a chart that gets you exposure to everyone who is using the podcast app, which is 60% of the podcast universe. These charts aren't uh, broken in the sense that they absolutely provide marketing for the podcasts who are featured on them. So how do, how do you fix that? How do you, how do you allow people, allow podcasters to create content which is more easily discovered without them relying on gaming this chart? That seems like a very complicated answer. Uh, you know, it seems like it's related to competition in the space, if there were more players who were exposing more podcasts from a lot uh, more different types of creators, then the Apple podcast charts would be a little bit less important to the ecosystem and you know, potentially less uh, subject to ga uh, being gamed, or you know, potentially it would be irrelevant if they were being gamed. So it, it, yeah, I mean, it just seems like it boils down to this age-old problem in the podcasting industry of discoverability. And now that Spotify is becoming like a larger and larger player. Like, you know, I think the Spotify charts are based on listening. Like maybe there's going to be, uh, you know, an industry of people trying to game those charts too. Who knows? I mean, any chart that exists is going to, it's definitely going to be game, but I agree that ultimately yes, podcasting is decentralized, but Apple plays this like really outsized role. And as long as they're the ones that are driving most of the listenership, they're just going to be the most obvious target for this kind of manipulation. Right. So, you know, hopefully over time, uh, more players will come along and you know the 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 options that people have for listening will change the options that people have for discovering things will change and then you know 
our company is called Chartable. Maybe we'll be able to come up with something too. You know, we'd love to hear if you guys have any thoughts, uh, any listeners out there have any thoughts, hit us up. Um, Chartable.com on Twitter or info at Chartable.com. All right, so let's shift gears and talk a little bit about some of the things that we've been working on. So maybe it's best to start from the very beginning. Harish, you want to tell us a little bit about what Chartable is? I assume everyone who's listening probably knows, but for those who have just tuned in because we're racing up the podcast charts, what is Chartable? Chartable is a podcast analytics company. I think to understand Chartable, it's important to understand a little bit about the history of how we uh, got to Chartable. So Dave and I were recording a podcast called Hacker Daily back in April, and uh, we noticed a lot of funny things with uh, performance metrics around our podcast. The big thing that sort of sticks out in my mind, and you know, Dave, you can add uh, detail here as you see fit, but there was a time when we were doing extremely well on Pocket Casts, and you know, for the life of us, we couldn't really figure out why. We had some inclination that potentially it was happening because we were running a tech podcast and Pocket Cast is big on Android. And What's Pocket Cast again? Pocket Cast is a podcast player which a lot of folks on uh, Android use. So uh, we didn't really get to the bottom of it until Dave one day just downloaded the app and noticed that we were charting on Pocket Casts. We were on the uh, trending chart on Pocket Casts and that was almost certainly driving a lot of subscriptions on Pocket Casts. So, you know, to me, this was, this was sort of mind-boggling that we were running a show, we were creating content, it was being put out into the world, and we didn't even know how it was performing out in the wild until Dave just randomly stumbled upon uh, this chart. So that, you know, to me, that was actually kind of the birth of this idea of we wanted all of our analytics for our podcast in one place. We wanted charts, we wanted reviews, we also wanted downloads, we also wanted listens, which you can now start to get from platforms like Apple and Spotify. And we wanted all of these things in one central location so we could figure out, one, how our podcast is performing, and two, how we can improve that performance. You can't really improve something that you can't measure. Right. Like we're both uh, startup guys here. We've been working in tech or in the startup industry for over a decade. And uh, you know, coming from the web or from iPhone app development, uh, there's all these amazing tools that you can use uh, building things on those platforms that when it comes time to do a podcast, there's the, the tools just aren't, aren't as good. And so that you know, spoke to both of us and said, like, hey, maybe there's an opportunity here to, to build something uh, that'll help people. And the starting point for us was charts and reviews. So with charts, we've started to aggregate uh, chart rankings across uh, many different podcast players. The two big ones in the podcast ecosystem right now are Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And you can find chart positions from both on our website across all the different countries where those players operate. And you can also find reviews uh, from Apple Podcasts across all of the different countries where Apple Podcasts operates. So we don't just collect it for a small group of podcasts. We collect it for every podcast in our database. And we're putting it all in one place because we believe that it is data that podcasters, as a creator, you should have on your show. It's uh, something that is being created by your efforts, these chart uh these chart positions and reviews. So we uh, built Chartable uh, starting back in June, uh, and the product has changed a lot since then. So what are the things you've been working on recently, Harish, that are 
uh, designed to help podcasters? The big thing that we're super excited about launching within the next week is a podcaster's dashboard. You already have access to our Chartable Dash, which gives you information on reviews and rankings. But what we're doing now is we're providing integrations with a number of the major hosting platforms from which we pull down download stats. We're also providing an integration with Podcast Connect and Spotify from which you can pull down listening information. And now for what we believe is the first time, you can have all of this information side by side. You can have your reviews, your charts, your downloads, and your listening information all in one place. And you know th- this might seem uh, like much ado about nothing, but again, I, I kind of keep coming back to this point. You can't improve something that you can't measure. This is the first time you're going to be able to get an accurate measurement across all of these different dimensions of how your podcast is performing. If you drop an episode this week uh, discussing how the weather has been changing in uh, in Florida, and you notice that uh, you know your listens or your downloads are cratering, that might be an indication to you that you need to do something different. Or if you start seeing favorable reviews where you weren't seeing any before, that might be an indication that your content is performing well. But the point is you can start to keep a tab on all of this stuff now just on the Chartable Dash without having to log into a thousand different services. Awesome. So what's on the roadmap for the future? So we can use the data that we've got right now to help us guide the decisions about what to talk about, if that's something you're interested in. Is there anything else we can do with that? Like Dave mentioned, we come from this web world, and what we want to do is bring the power of web analytics to the podcasting world. One of the biggest metrics that we talk about in the web world is retention, uh, retention and churn, uh, you know, sort of two sides of the same coin. Well, what is retention? Retention, that's a great question. Retention is if you track a group of listeners, so let's say listeners who listen to the first episode of your podcast, retention is the percentage of those listeners that came back and listened to the second episode or the third episode or the fourth. And you can track it over time. There's always going to be a drop off. You're never going to see 100% retention. But you will know if there are problems with your content or with an episode, if you see unusual patterns in retention. If, for example, you typically see that 80% of listeners return from episode to episode, but then you launch an episode and you all of a sudden see that only 20% came back, that's a warning sign. And this is a metric that we use in the web world for exactly the same sorts of performance monitoring. If retention falls off one day because you made a change to a website, that's a problem and you need to fix it. The reason retention is so important is because retention is just another form of growth. There are two sides to growth. Growth is acquiring new listeners, and that uh, is sort of on you, right? You need to market your show. You need to figure out ways to get your name out there. But growth is also about retaining listeners who are already listening to your podcast. If those listeners start to disappear, then your overall numbers are going to decline. So while most people just focus on marketing their podcast to new listeners, they don't spend enough time on retention. You need to do both. And we're hoping to provide a tool that will allow you to do both. Awesome. Is there anything else people should know about the Chartable Dashboard? The big thing is that we are looking for feedback. So if you go to your Dash, you sign up, you poke around, you start using it, just send us an email, use the little chat window on the right-hand corner uh, to get in touch. Tell us what you think about it. We're trying to improve this with your help, uh, with your feedback, and we can't do it without all of that uh, from you guys. 
Awesome. Thanks. All right. Before we go, I just wanted to talk about one more thing. Um, we are hiring for the first time uh, for Chartable.com. It's an exciting thing. So you get to work with two really awesome dudes. Not us. Uh, they're these two no, other, dudes. other dudes um, who are great. Uh, just kidding. You're actually going to be working with us. <laughs> and uh, the job is uh, for a software engineer. We're calling it a product engineer because... Um, there's a lot of product that we got to build. We got the chartable dashboard to build. There's a lot of infrastructure behind that. Uh, there's a lot of infrastructure behind all the chart information we're collecting on an hourly basis. Uh, so we want to talk a little bit about you know what we're looking for. And if you're interested, we'd love to hear from you. It's a super exciting opportunity, especially for folks who are interested in helping podcasters and helping grow the podcasting industry. What we're doing is directly related to Folks like uh, like you who are listening to the show, creating content, marketing it, being able to eventually achieve your dreams uh, with that content, whether it is making a living or marketing your side project, whatever it is, the idea is to help everyone grow their audio content, their podcasts. And we can't do it without some engineering help. As a first engineer on board, you're going to have a ton of control over product. You're going to have a ton of control over the direction of the company. And we're going to be working together uh, collaboratively on all of these decisions and you know, just doing our best to improve this ecosystem. Harish and I are both in New York, but we are looking to hire anywhere in the US. Uh, and we're trying to build a lasting, sustainable company here uh, where we do meaningful work to help uh, creators, uh, people that are using Chartable now, people that will use it in the future, um, like Karish said, uh, do what they want to do with their shows, grow their shows, uh, make money if, that, if that's one of their goals. We can't do it without some help. So uh, if you're interested, uh, check out the job listing and it's at chartable.com slash jobs. And uh, you can also hit us up at jobs at chartable.com. Tweet us on Twitter at chartable.com, all spelled out. Otherwise, we'll see you soon. Thanks for listening. 